Good morning. My name is Mark DeCosmaker. I'm the executive pastor here at Christ Community Church. And this morning's passage is from Luke 2, uh, verses 8 to 20. And you can find it in the Pew Bible on page 857. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Thank you. You may be seated. Please take a moment to ponder on God's word. Well, once again, Merry Christmas. Uh, I hope everybody's had a wonderful Christmas so far this morning. I hope the parents have had an opportunity to get a little bit of sleep after being woken up at four or five in the morning, maybe. Uh, I hope the children got that special gift they were looking for and grandparents got a chance to spoil their grandchildren. You know, uh, all the effort and all the time and energy that points towards Christmas nowadays is worth it on Christmas morning when you see the joy in a child's face as he opens the present. Um, and, you know, this morning's service is really about that. It's about that joy and about the fact as we begin a new year, how do we live with joy and victory even in a broken world? And I think what that really is, is about hope. But more than just hope, it is about what the hope of the child of God rests upon. Now, last week, Pastor Paul preached a sermon where he quoted from Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. And what he talked about was how the stone of hope is born from the mountain of despair, which is a way of saying how victory comes from disappointment. Reverend King said that the basis of his hope and the basis of the hope of all of the children of God rested in the promises of God. And the specific promise that he quoted was from Isaiah, where he said that the glory of the Lord would be revealed and all flesh would see it together because the Lord, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
What he was talking about was the physical manifestation of the Messiah. And that came true this morning, 2,000 years ago. Because that was the birth of the baby Jesus. And because we know that to be true, we know that the cornerstone of our faith, that our hope rests in God. In the birth of the baby Jesus and the incarnation, we see that hope. And in the message this morning, what I want to talk about, what I want us to remember as we pass into the new year, is that our hope rests in the Lord. Now, today's sermon will really be broken down into two sections, which are the fundamental foundational truths of the Christian life. First, that God keeps all of his promises, and that is why we can trust him. And second, that God loves us, which is the reason we're able to love him. We're going to look at the Christmas morning story and see how God uses those two truths to equip his children to face periods of suffering and pain and even despair, and then to pass through them into joy and victory. To see how Mary stood on the promises of God throughout her life and how God equipped her for the times that would be difficult that were to come. Now, today, we read the passage of the first morning, and it's just filled with miracles and signs and wonders. And for me, the thing that's interesting is, for the people who participated in the first Christmas morning, they didn't have signs going up in July telling them Christmas was coming. <laughs> Everything happened right then. And I want you to think about Mary on that day. She has the child, and a star stops literally above where they are to bring three kings to worship the child. I want you to think about shepherds coming in and saying, there have been angels proclaiming the birth of your son, that he is the savior of the world. And then it says those shepherds went out and they would tell people and people were just awed and wondered. They didn't see it. They just heard about it. And their experience was awe and wonder. But when we read about Mary's reaction, it says she treasured these things up and, and she pondered them in her heart. It's kind of strange. Her reaction isn't awe and wonder to the signs and miracles and wonders it is to hold that moment, that joy, the fulfillment of those promises in her heart so that she can ponder them. I think it's kind of an unusual response unless you think about what has already happened to Mary. The angel Gabriel had appeared to her and said, you're going to have the Christ child. You're going to have the son that, that, uh, who is going to be the son of the most high. And the God is going to give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
And to his kingdom, there will be no end. You see, for a Jew, in what we would call the first century, it was just at that time it wasn't, but she's hearing all the promises that have been made to her forefathers. See, those aren't new promises. They're not fresh. What she's hearing, the echo of everything that came from Genesis till that moment, She's hearing the promises made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David. And the angel is saying, in this child, those promises will be fulfilled. You see, Mary was able to look at what was happening that morning and say, we stand at this moment at the junction between all God's promises made and all God's promises kept. So she wasn't awed by angels. She wasn't awed by a star. The thing that she treasured was God's promises, God's faithfulness. And those were things that she could ponder for the rest of her life. It is that faith that recognition of how God works that was going to allow her shortly after that to respond in faith when God says, Herod is coming to murder your child, flee. And they pack up and they go. It's that faith that's going to allow her later when God says, it's all clear, head on back, to just pack up and go. And it's that faith that is going to be an evidence at the cross when she stares up and sees her son. And it's that faith that carries her from the shadow of death into the joy and victory of the empty tomb. You see, God prepares us for pain and suffering and circumstance by what he does for us before. The things that we treasure in our heart, his faithfulness. And I think that's the first thing that we need to remember this morning. God is faithful to keep his promises. And that brings us to the second component of the hope equation. That our hope, our faith, stands not only on the promises of God, but on God's love. You see, Mary recognized that and she stood on that. It was a presupposition of everything that she had. It's interesting when we read through Scripture that God never tells us why he loves us. Scripture tells us he loved us before, from before the foundation of the earth. He tells us that his love endures forever. So it has no beginning, it has no end. And all of scripture is just filled with one point of evidence after another. It is so filled with examples of God's love that we don't have to know why he loves us to know that he loves us. But I think as we grow and mature as Christians and in our faith, we know why it doesn't tell us why he loves us. Because he loves us because it is in his nature to love us. God 
We don't earn the love. There isn't a reason. It's not something we did or will do or something we will become that makes him love us. God loves us for who he is. So there isn't a reason except it's God. But some of the evidences we see of that love in the incarnation are this. On the Christmas morning, we see God who created all things and from whom, from whom nothing was made that was made, that he comes into the earth as a helpless infant so that he can redeem us. That is an act of love. And the Father, we know that he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's a gift of love. In the Son, we know he not only lays down his life, but he picks it up of his own accord. And that's an act of love. In the full life of Christ... We see it because he lives a perfect life so that he might be the perfect sacrifice, so that he could be the Passover lamb, so that he could redeem us. His entire life was an act of love. And in the ascension, we see it when after having paid that great price to redeem his bride, he chooses to leave us so that his father will send the Holy Spirit so that we could be indwelled by the love of God. The entire incarnation is bathed in God's love for us. God shows us his love by giving himself for us so that he can give his love to us, so he can give himself to us. Beloved, we trust in God's promises and we rest in his certainty, in the certainty of God's love because of his grace. That is the whole of the gospel. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It says God, because of God's love, if you believe in his promise, that you will be with him for all eternity. It's all there is. It is what our hope and what our foundation is based on. And it is that hope that allows us to live in a broken world, to intersect with people who would ridicule or hate us or hate God because we can love him, them because he loved us. We can experience pain and suffering and live as conquerors and not victims. We can live with joy and not fear because of God has given us that hope. Now, I can't tell you what that will look like in your life. I think all of us have seen different examples. But I'd like to share a story with you about how I saw that played out, how I saw somebody trust in the promise of God and God's love that actually happened in this room. When I was serving as an elder, we have things, and, and this is something important. Pastor Paul really impresses on the elders that the primary thing that we do is not, not administrate, and it's not about rules. It's about shepherding. It's about loving and praying into the lives that you're called to shepherd. 
And I had a couple in my group that send up uh, a letter where they had been trying to have children for a number of years. That was the desire of their heart. And they were at the end of a long road where they finally realized that just wasn't going to happen. And they sent a letter or a note to the, to the session which said, would you pray for us during this period of time as we grow to accept this reality? And the following Sunday morning, I came into the sanctuary, and the wife was at the back of the room. And I went up to talk to her to let her know we were praying for her and to ask her what I could do for her beyond that and that we were praying for her. And she looked at me, and, and I could see the pain, the rawness of that in her, in her eyes. I mean, you would look at her, and it was, she was almost ready to cry just by me saying we were praying for her to think about it. And what she said was, we know that God has a plan. And we accept that he's chosen not to give us the desire of our heart. Because we trust that he is going to replace that with a new desire. And whatever it will be, it will be greater than anything we could have asked him for. You see, for the Christian, you can have despair and pain and suffering and at the same moment have hope and joy and victory. Three or four years later, I was here and had the opportunity to see their two children get baptized. Now, what God, the door that God opened for them was foster care. And later, the door he opened for them was adoption. And as I watched them with their children, I knew that the joy they had was greater than the joy that they hoped for. And I knew that they were victorious, not because of the blessing of children that God gave them, but because the blessing that God had given them in his promise so that in the moment of despair, they had hope and joy. Well, I know that a day is coming when God will wipe away every tear, where there'll be no suffering, there'll be no pain, and there'll be no mourning. And I think about that day, and I just say, come, Lord Jesus, come. I look to the day when we will stand with our Lord and Savior in glory and just worship with him for all eternity. But today is not that day. Today, we enter into a new year, and we have to think about what does that year hold? And unfortunately for most of us, in the new year, there will be seasons for tears. There will be seasons for suffering and pain and doubt and for some of us even mourning. When those times come, rest in the promises of God, not just for his deliverance, but rest in the promises that he has already fulfilled to you. Like Mary, reach into the memories that you have treasured in your heart so that you will feel his faithfulness surround you. For God has already made you a conqueror 
because he's equipped you with everything you need for victory because he is your stone of hope. Not because you hope for his deliverance when the weight of the mountain of despair descends upon you, but because he's already given you hope and victory at the cross. See, at the cross, Jesus turned defeat into victory. He turned life into death. He turned suffering into joy. And he just turned despair into hope. You can endure in your suffering because you are witness to the suffering and pain that God endured to redeem you. Because you know that Jesus has already borne the full weight of the mountain of despair. To become sin so that you could become righteous. So that you could be the child of God. So that you would have life and have it more abundantly. We, our victory comes not in the avoidance of darkness. But in trusting in the God who has walked through that darkness and back into the light so that you might know the length and breadth and depth of his love for you. And that's my hope for you as we enter the new year. That no matter what it brings, that you will live victoriously on the promises of God and walk in the light of his love. Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you for all your gracious love, for your abundant mercy and grace that you had given us. And we trust that you will carry us into this new year. And we ask that at the end of this year, that we would praise you as the psalmist did when he said, let us give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. That we would remember that it is you, God, who has remembered us in our lowest state because your steadfast love endures forever. It is you, God, who rescued us from our foes for your steadfast love endures forever. And that we will all give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. And all God's people said, amen.